The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. Doctor? 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 You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. My name is Steve Cashel, radio host of the Chicago Bulls. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by my co-host. He is Dr. Brian Cole, head team physician for the Chicago Bulls and sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon, from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush University Medical Center. This week on the show, we're going to talk about seasonal injuries. We'll bring on the head team physician for the Chicago White Sox, Dr. Charles Bush Joseph from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Talk about uh, the White Sox specifically and how some of the young players who have been called up recently have, uh, well, maybe coincidentally or not, uh, suffered some uh, interesting injuries. We'll talk all about that with Dr. Chuck. Also, limiting pitch counts. We'll keep on the baseball theme. The Illinois High School Association recently adopted a mandate that there will be pitch counts in high school pitchers, and uh, that's very good, probably a long time coming. And Dr. Cole shares his thoughts about Tommy John surgery and the like. Then we'll talk about uh, three-dimensional training. Chris Garcia from ATI Physical Therapy will Join us and how someone can incorporate uh, triplanar training into their routine. It's Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. Be sure to follow our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. Back with Dr. Cole to get it going after this on ESPN 1000. Feeling tired, sluggish, and overweight? If you're looking to lose weight and gain energy, join us in Karen Mulkin's 14-Day Transformation Cleanse. You're going to absolutely love this Whole Foods cleanse. You'll feel great, lose weight, build lean muscle, improve sleep, boost metabolism, and enhance athletic performance. This VIP done-for-you cleanse comes with a 14-day transformation wellness bag containing MCT Lean Vegan Protein Blend, fat-burning MCT Lean MCT Oil, snacks, superfoods, recipes, guidelines, videos, and other surprises. You will absolutely love this program. Sign up at 14daytransformation.com. That's the numbers 14daytransformation.com or visit Karen's website at karenmulkin.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-M-A-L-K-I-N.com. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. It's Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. Welcome back, Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole. Reminder to reach out to us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at SMW Home. So, uh, Dr. Cole, wanted to ask you a little bit about um, how drafted and uh, free agent signees are evaluated. Uh, you always get to do physicals on these guys? Sure, you do, but it's, you know, I think the paradigm is either you have a new incoming player off the street. So that would be the combine of the draft. And that's where you just scour the record, do a physical, and not only are you trying to declare that they're fit for play, which is the substance of any player you're evaluating, right? That's sort of the common denominator, they fit to play. There you're uh, assessing risk for the organization. And it's somewhat ironic where that's where we spend the most time assessing risk when it's a young player who has, I don't know, those contracts, to be quite frank. It could be three years, could be five years. Do you know? I, for a first-round draft pick, yeah. yeah. Usually right, so three, and then three. he could sign for a fourth. Right, so there's some options after, but the numbers are not huge. Right. And then there are then there's free agency and then trades, and that's a whole different ballgame because, yes, you still have that same common denominator, are they fit to play, but then the risk assessment, it, it doesn't take a back seat, but there's so many other dynamics and intangibles that play in that, the conversation in part relates to risk, 
but there's so many other things that come into play that, you know, frankly, they're above my pay grade, quite frankly. Well, like you say, if you get a big name player, right, that may come here, you're going to take the big name player, and you're obviously going to look look at some of the medical. Well, stuff, I mean, my right? job I mean, my job doesn't change. My job is to say, are they fit to play? And these are my thoughts on the relative risk of underlying conditions. That's that's my job, and to keep them healthy, and if they're not healthy, to do our best to safely get them back and in an efficient way. Well, let me uh, ask you this before we bring on our our next guest, and that's Dr. Chuck Bush Joseph team physician for the Chicago White Sox, as your position, Dr. Cole, with team physician for the Chicago Bulls, when a player is traded here, do you get to medically examine them? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Because they always say you have to pass a physical, right? Yeah, that, that, absolutely. So they would be traded here, and then they come see you in the office? Is that yeah, what happens? There, there's been a couple. We I don't. I can't think of it's ever happening with us, but we there have been trades that I am aware of that the gabash happened when they did the physical. Oh, really? That's happened. They, they're almost basically coming signed, and you're like the final rubber stamp. But that's happened where they've said, look, this is, this guy's not fit for play. And do you get the medical records then, x-rays? Oh, yeah, I mean, gosh. you guys request yeah, no, we're, for the other teams? Yeah, the I other mean, the, great, the good news, at least for the NBA, is that our medical record keeping is great now. The trainers do a really terrific job of getting stuff online and, and putting it in. And my staff does, all of our staff does in terms of getting that stuff in. It's very arduous, extremely time-consuming, but it pays off when you have the situation where you're not having to repeat tests. The, 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 I can tell you the biggest trick is that the past predicts the future. If you've got a guy who's had an injury but they're back for, say, a year or two. You know, it could be a bad injury, but if they're back for a year or two, the risk goes way down. It's like a stock. You know, sure. you sort of have a sense of how you can predict the future if they've had a track record. As a flip side is you could have a guy who's at the same catastrophic injury, but he's coming out in the summer or whatever before the trade deadline is he's never played, but he's cleared to play. Right. That's a very scary situation to be in, at least from our position, because you really you're, – you're, it's not a coin toss. You can go by statistics, but – you have nothing to predict the future because he has no recent past. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's bring on Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, one of Dr. Cole's partners at MOR. And, of course, he is the team physician for the Chicago White Sox. So, Dr. Chuck, uh, science of evaluating players kind of the same in Major League Baseball or not? Uh, Steve and Brian, uh, thanks thanks for having me on this morning. You know, I would say things are uh, pretty much the same but a little bit different. And I, I'll, I'll take the position that, unfortunately, Major League Baseball, before a trade is completed, uh, usually the, the training and medical staff for the receiving team has the opportunity to look at all the medical records, but we really can't examine the player. So a player technically under contract that we trade for, we either have to veto the trade via medical records before the trade ever happens. Once the trade's completed, the player arrives, uh, then uh, then he's yours. And, and unfortunately, unfortunately for us, we've never really had a problem for that, but there were several episodes, and even I think one episode that was somewhat, somewhat public and uh, – this year where a major league team traded for a pitcher from another club and uh, there was some concern that the uh, the receiving team was not fully aware of the medical condition and there was uh, it caused a lot of heartburn at the at major league baseball's uh, office and prompted a whole lot of uh, memos to get out to make sure the records are always complete uh, we are now as brian said in the nba on a unified medical record platform just like just like any patient is when he goes to a medical center whether it be rush or northwestern Usually there's a standard medical record that all the doctors are playing on, and we have that now in baseball uh, as well as basketball. But, you know, any records is only as good as uh, what information is placed into the record. Uh, the, the other thing on draftees, the thing that we see now in ba- baseball, and, Steve, I think you and I have talked about this on some occasions, 
is that when we first started, when Brian and I first started with the Chicago White Sox back in 2003, is we evaluated the medical records. It was very rare for a high school or even a college athlete to have undergone surgical procedures prior to the major league draft. And unfortunately now in baseball, it's very common. I mean, it's probably 10, if not 15 times the incidence of patients having either had shoulder surgery or elbow surgery prior to the time they're eligible for the professional draft. So uh, that becomes much more of a challenge. And as Brian says, again, a player who's had an injury and had surgery, we've got to see a certain level of performance over a certain duration of time before we'll give clearance on that. Visiting with Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and the team physician for the Chicago White Sox. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole, of course, the team physician for the Chicago Bulls. But Dr. Chuck, back to what you were saying. Do you ever think they'll change that rule in Major League Baseball where if uh, when a player gets traded that you guys will have uh, the um, be eligible to give a physical to that player being traded? You know, Steve, I, I hate to say it, I really don't think so. You know, and why? Uh, why is it so hard? Uh, you know, I, I, and I will tell you this. I think this is where maybe baseball thinks uh, there's a little bit more secret sauce to it than with football or basketball. Uh, baseball's tried several times to sort of have a combine. Uh, in both the individual clubs and the players' union, felt it was uh, uh, think it was wrong. I mean, think they they felt that that would potentially have a disservice uh, to the potential players, and have always nixed that. Each individual club thinks that they're better at evaluating talent than other clubs. So baseball's never been able to come up with. I, I know Brian spent a lot of time every year at the NBA draft, and and similar to the NFL combine, you get to examine every player. Every player goes through a series of diagnostic tests. So the knowledge is pretty common. But I, I think in baseball, it's still that's you know still the oldest of uh, professional leagues. Uh, each individual team thinks that they've got the secret sauce or recipe better than other teams. Yeah, I mean, you guys, and plus you deal with so many more players, right? Um, yeah, I mean, well, I it's true, Brian. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the Major League Baseball draft used to be uh, 60 rounds. Mike Piazza recently wow. uh, inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame was a 62nd draft pick. Mark Burley was a 38-round draft pick. We're still in the 30 rounds, so there's a lot of players. Uh, we're over a 1,000. Over I think it was over uh, 1,100 players are evaluated for the for the uh, Major League Baseball draft, and and I think we drafted like 32 players this year. Yeah, so yeah, no, that's a whole different situation. You need a, you need efficiency. I mean, we 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 strive for maximal efficiency, but you could never really do it in the same way and maintain. You can't get it done if you did the same level of you know the same type of evaluation. You still need all that stuff, but. You know, we we're much, we're so dependent on the cardiac issues and everything else. Obviously, you need to have that stuff cleared too. But you, most of what you're dealing with are, are shoulder and elbow. And like you say, hopefully, it's a thing of the past by the time they get to you and they've had they've demonstrated the ability to perform and play. You know, unfortunately, we've had a few occasions over the years where uh, players' medical records that we drafted were somewhat incomplete. And and like the Chicago Bulls, we are very thorough in our evaluations and every. Typically, most players will have a shoulder and elbow MRI at the time of signing because uh, those are, the, obviously, as Brian said, the two high-frequency injuries. And, and I, I can tell you, on more than several occasions, we've either canceled a draft pick uh, or rescinded their draft rights because of our medical findings at the time of evaluation. Dr. Chuck Bush-Joseph, great stuff. Dr. Chuck, appreciate you joining us. Thanks, guys. And he's the head team physician for the Chicago White Sox. Dr. Cole alongside, I'm Steve Cashel. Back with more of Sports Medicine Weekly after this. I'd been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. 
After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance and scheduled me right away. No wait, everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high-performance athletes and weekend warriors. Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, or even professionals, Midwest West Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state-of-the-art healthcare services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis, methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News and World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Back on Sports Medicine Weekly, it was recently confirmed that the Illinois high school baseball pitchers will face a pitch count limit beginning next season. For the very first time, Dr. Cole, I say, long time coming. About time, right? Yeah, absolutely, Steve. I think like the numbers were less than 10 states actually regulated pitch count. And now since this mandate, every state at the high school level will have to have pitch counts, which is huge. I mean, there's a number of variables that we think lead to injury, specifically the shoulder and elbow, but pitch count is clearly uh, has been demonstrated to be one of the more important variables. Absolutely. And, you know, nothing against the high school coaches out there. I know there's been some talk of, well, you know, they, they're out there to win, and if they're losing their seniors, you know, after that, that final year, you know, the, the, these coaches – care how many pitches these kids throw you know it's all about winning so uh, but you've seen overuse obviously absolutely you know we there are certain times a year where we, especially startup uh we see a number of young kids they're they're typically you know 15 16 to 18 years old these are this high school population where there's they're 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 doing these uh these showcases and they're 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 doing sometimes two different leagues where they never get any downtime so even if they restrict themselves or have a day off for one team, they may be playing for another team. Right. You know, so it's crazy, and you know, without some type of limit on whether it be pitch count or velocity or cross training uh, emphasis and so forth, we're seeing sort of an epidemic of of overuse injuries and sometimes traumatic injuries, like you know the the, the labral tears in the shoulder or the Tommy John problem where they tear the onocleidal ligament in the elbow. Is it mostly the Tommy John problem? You know, it depends on their age. When their growth plates are open, we're seeing uh, the sort of little leaguer's elbow phenomenon where there's an uh, overuse, almost of stress fracture at the level of the inside of the elbow where you got to shut them down to get it to heal. I see the same thing in the shoulder. But as they get older and, they're, and, they're, and their growth plates are starting to close, that's when we tend to see some of the Tommy John problems. So just to give you a sense, I mean, with no limits, um, we're seeing fatigue and at high velocity and so forth, an attempt at high velocity, and there's a, there's a disconnect between you know, movement patterns and things like that where added stress goes onto the ligament. Now the recommendation is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 to 95 pitches per game for, say, 15 to 16-year-olds. 
and about 105 pitches per game for a 17 to 18 year old. Still seems like a lot, doesn't it? it? It does. I mean, you look at the major league, you see what you see. You know how many innings they go, how many pitches they have. But yeah, 105 almost, it seems like a lot. Yeah. yeah, and I think that they're still hammering out some of the details. But and then there'll be mandatory rest between games. You know, back to back games, things like that. You know, we're we're like one and five. So. Uh, at the major league level, so that's that's another thing that will be imposed. There are, you know, I think people have to remember that it's not all about uh, pitch counts, uh, uh, limits on ball velocity, especially during practice, uh, is something that we have to at least begin thinking about that we've looked at. There clearly should be some mandatory rest time, especially during the off season. Rest isn't just between games, but rest and doing uh, cross training. You know, other sports is probably the best thing we have in our back pocket to prevent injury. And then uh, preseason training, uh, that's a study that we we showed that if they had uh, improper core and leg strength, could be a key component to fatigue and ultimately leading to injury in our pitchers. So we're, you know, one of the, when, when I examine a pitcher, one of the first things I do is have them stand on one leg and watch how their one side will drop because they're so weak in their glute medius at their hip. So they often throw to throw and emphasize uh, throwing mechanics, but they forget about their core and everything below the shoulder. And there's some data that shows that if you don't focus on core training, you lose a big window and sort of the lowest hanging fruit to prevent injury. So I think people have to recognize that there's um, that. Look, the, you, do you have any idea how many of these kids will actually play Major League Baseball at the, at the high school level? One, one in percent? a million, it seems. Doesn't it's, it? Yeah, it's it's, it's they, the, the statistics are one percent have the potential to be drafted in Major League Baseball, and if they get a shoulder or elbow injury in high school. The number of those that will actually go on to be drafted is profoundly less. I mean, you rarely see a young person coming out in the major league who actually had a surgery in high school for a shoulder elbow. Returning patients who suffer from cartilage defects to an active lifestyle is the goal. Prochondrix, the latest solution from Atlasource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograft designed to restore cartilage and restore life. To learn more about Prochondrix or allografts, visit prochondrix.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Back on Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning, our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger, our board op and producer, George Katsarillos. Net proceeds from our program, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. Dr. Cole loves to work out uh, daily. Wish I could do it seven days a week like this guy. Uh, he's a fiend. He, he goes hard. And Dr. Cole, I know you're always looking for efficient ways to uh, to capture those workouts, right? You'll try anything, right? Well, I mean, I you know, the thing is, none of us, it's all about time. It's about time and it's all about prioritization. You and I sure. talk about that. And I don't go seven days a week, and I'm I'm actually happy. If, if you could, would you? Absolutely. You know, with proper recovery. To and do something at least, yeah. right? And I'll tell you that one of the things I've learned is that, and in fact, we, you know, I wrote that book called Basketball Anatomy, and I worked with uh, Rob Panarello, who's a wonderful strength and conditioning trainer. And I learned a ton during writing that book about uh, complex movement and so forth, which really what it does is it takes traditional exercise, which is often in like one movement plane and so forth, and adds complexity to it. And I can tell you it's not intuitive. You really have to work with someone to get it done. Like a golf swing. I mean, it really yeah, is. Well, I mean, so many people are are self taught, and they shouldn't be. I've, I've, my golf swing has gotten so much better because of um, personal instruction. Yeah, I mean, think about teaching golf pros swing is, is absolutely. A three, yeah, it's a three dimensional activity. You think about how if you really broke it down into what it is, it's a three dimensional activity. You got to get all your muscles to do it at the right speed, the right uh, acceleration, and the right degree of power. And 
Um, I don't know if there's any motor memory in golf. At least I haven't found it. I can tell you that much. Right. So, but repetition helps. Absolutely. And personal instruction. Let's bring our next guest. Chris Garcia joins us from Englewood, uh, Colorado, on this uh, Saturday morning. Uh, he's with ATI uh, Physical Therapy and uh, talking a little bit about uh, multiplanar training. Uh, what is that, uh, Mr. Garcia? Yeah, first, thanks for thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, appreciate, appreciate you appreciate your interest in this topic. Uh, really, uh, what multi-planar training or uh, or three-dimensional training is is uh, an approach to exercise and rehabilitation where we include um, movement in in either two or three dimensions at a time, as opposed to a single dimension. Uh, many many of our Typical gym-based exercises, particularly the gym-based, uh, or excuse me, the uh, machine-based gym exercises, uh, focus on a movement in one dimension. So if you're thinking about um, an X, Y, and Z axis, you might only be moving in one of those to do, say, uh, a lunge or a leg press or a bench press type movement. Uh, multiplanar or triplanar uh, exercises try to incorporate um, a rotational and front-to-back movement at the same time um, or a side-to-side and rotational movement together, uh, which really mimics more real-life things. You guys uh, mentioned the golf swing. That's a three-dimensional movement, as you said. And to go into the gym and just do movements front-to-back or only side-to-side at, at one time isn't really capturing everything that you need uh, to to, to really lay the foundation to an efficient golf swing and to do the training that you that you really should be getting done to help prevent injury with golf swing or whatever your activity may be. Are endurance sports uh, unique in their need to participate in uh, these three-dimensional uh, training programs? I, I think I think they are a little unique, um, kind of comparing them back to the golf swing, as we've already mentioned that. Uh, in a golf swing, you're, you're already moving in three dimensions with that activity. Uh, so even if you're maybe neglecting the triplanar exercises at the gym, you are moving in three dimensions when you're out doing your sport. Endurance sports are, are slightly unique, particularly running and biking, because those activities are, are very much one-dimensional movements where you're doing straight forward and back movements with your legs or your arms. Um, and because of that, there's a, there's a certain repetitive strain that occurs with that. Um, and if you're only performing those activities, you're really neglecting uh, the other components of movement, um, such as, again, the rotational or side-to-side type movements. Uh, because of that, you end up with um, some, uh, some flaws within, within strength, or excuse me, within, um, within balance between your muscles. And, and really, it comes down to, to nervous system uh, training as well. Our, our nervous system uh, craves complex movements to continue to, to um, evolve and become more efficient. Um, when we pursue fitness or whatever thing we're, we're trying to pursue. Uh, and with the endurance sports going just straight forward and backwards, um, now we're all, all of a sudden neglecting that, setting ourselves up for repetitive strain injuries. So, so how hard is it? To, I can tell you that you know, I've, I've uh, been to your website, and I want to just say it correctly. It, um, is it, it's ATIPT.com? Correct. Okay, thank you. And there's a great article there uh, under it's a blog, I believe, the importance of multiplanar training. And it's interesting the pictures. I can tell you, I do a lot of that stuff, but I do it with a trainer uh, because it's there's so many ways to screw it up. And like she'll make one small recommendation, and the whole exercise changes. You know, so if you're not if you're if you're not sitting in a proper position, your center of gravity, you're not back on your heels, or you're too far forward in front of your toes, um, those exercises. 
they're they're not that effective. But it, like like a single leg Romanian deadlift is one of the hardest things for a person who's never done it before. If, you know, if, I'm sure if you're working with clients who are rehabbing in PT at ATI, like you have you know they're they're probably disasters when they first start. But it's got to be pretty gratifying if you give them enough cues and do it in a progression. What you can do with these people is that fair to say? Absolutely, and I think just like you said, there there are a lot of nuances in the exercises, and it all comes down to progressions or the term um, that we use are prerequisites. You need to be able to demonstrate an appropriate uh, hinge through your hip and appropriate posture through your spine before we're going to have you go on to one leg and do the single leg Romanian deadlift uh, that you see on that blog. Um, but uh, at the same time, um, incorporating incorporating these, if you haven't been doing them, you're, you're likely to benefit even if there are some uh, uh, some subtle subtle inadequacies in your movement. It's something that can certainly be uh, pursued anyways. Do you think that, like, so you guys use static pictures, right, uh, on your right. site? I mean, I, I, is this stuff trainable, do you think, with a proper video with uh, cues in terms of do's and don'ts? Uh, I, I think so. And and really, you know, in, in my line of work as a physical therapist, I think it comes down uh, to cues. I mean, you, you work with some people, and, and hopefully your trainer is this way, where they can say three or four words, and it's going to absolutely change your position, your movement, and where you feel it. You know, like you said, uh, you, you tweak your position or one, one little alteration in uh, whether you're shifting forward onto the ball of your foot or your heel, and all of a sudden that changes uh, the exercise entirely. Uh, so it's really, really subtle but powerful uh, cues. You can, you can have a, a really significant change in someone's, um, someone's movement strategy and, and with that someone's um, – uh, benefit from the exercise so let's you know so is do you, i'm curious you know is this this to me looks like personal training is this commonly utilized by physical therapists or is this because you have a specific expertise and this is becoming sort of you know commonplace amongst atis just give me a sense of how you guys implement it in your in your pt model um i don't i don't to me there's not exercise is exercise um when someone has uh, an injury, whether that's a repetitive strain injury or they're coming off some sort of surgical reconstruction or repair or whatever it may be, uh, you need to teach appropriate movement. And in the rehab setting, uh, you know, we, sh we, we should hopefully be able to progress to these types of exercises. I, I use these exercises every day with my patients. I mean, obviously, it depends on what level they're at and what the precautions are. But I use these types of exercises every day, as, as do, uh, I think, most of my colleagues. I think there are uh, some rehab professionals that might bias themselves towards a little bit more manual therapy type emphasis, and, and that has its role. I use manual therapy with my patients every day. Uh, ultimately, to teach someone to move well uh, with efficiency, you have to be able to, what, the way I describe it, is get them off the table and, to, and get them moving, uh, and that's what these exercises are. So it's not unusual to see a personal trainer using these exercises for more uh, performance-related performance goals, but uh, at the same time, uh, rehab is, is just simply progressing the, the, the physiologic demand to whatever tissue we're trying to stress and gradually increasing it so that tissue heals and becomes more uh, tolerant to stressors so that you can get back to whatever your activity is. Chris Garcia from ATI Physical Therapy, talking a little about three-dimensional training, multi-planar training. Thanks so much, Chris, for your time here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Back with more of our show after these messages. On ESPN Radio. 
The Chicago Bulls, White Sox, and DePaul Blue Demons rely on Midwest Orthopedics at Rush for advanced orthopedic treatment. So can you. We are the team physicians for these Chicago teams, and we're ready to be on your healthcare team, too. Get expert care from these regional leaders at four Chicagoland locations. Learn more at RushOrtho.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, your world-class team physicians. We're excited to announce our new Sports Medicine Weekly custom podcast app on iTunes. It's all free. Just go to the App Store, search for Sports Medicine Weekly. Our app gives listeners easy access to their favorite Sports Medicine Weekly shows without getting lost in confusing screens and pop-up ads. The team at Sports Medicine Weekly is dedicated to delivering content to our listeners on the latest in fitness, nutrition, injury prevention, and treatment. Optimize your performance with the Sports Medicine Weekly app. As always, we thank our loyal listening and social media followers. The best athletes in the world and their medical teams have been trusting Donjoy products for over 30 years. With a goal to protect and return confidence in sport post-injury, Donjoy is the trusted leader to get and keep athletes in action. Whether it's football, basketball, soccer, volleyball, or even the official medical supplier to the U.S. ski team, always trust the global leader in sports medicine. Trust Donjoy, a product of DJOglobal.com. At Athletico Physical Therapy, we know there is freedom from pain and you can get back to doing the things you love. Whether it's running an 8K, playing a game of tag in the yard, or walking safely to your car, pain should not slow you down. With locations throughout eight states that offer complimentary injury screens, your choice to go with our team is the smart choice. Visit athletico.com to request your complimentary injury screening and start feeling better with us today. Athletico, better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Sports Medicine Weekly has been brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy, by Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, by Karen Malkin Health Counseling, by Integrated Orthopedics, by Source, by Donjoy Orthopedics, by Medwest, and by ATI Physical Therapy. Many thanks to our producer and board operator, George Katsarillos. Our coordinating producer is Teresa Ann Seeger. We also want to thank David Cole for managing the website and our business operations, as well as Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on ESPN 1000. The preceding program was a paid advertisement. The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. 